Alrighty, welcome everybody back to a fabulous show. This is Creative Writing episode number. Do you know the episode number? No. Me neither. Uh, we want to take a crack at it. Take a guess. <laughs> that three thousand forty-two. <laughs> I wish three thousand forty-two. If you have your iPad or your iPhones, or your Skitchmaster, or whatever you have open, uh, to your podcast app, look at it, look at the show number, and then say, hey, this is the next one Do, after is that. Is it funny here on our uh, This is episode, and I'm going to tell you what it is right here. It's 287. Uh, you know, I should. Just, I have it up here on my notes, but it's I have it here on my notes. It's 287. I just said it. Uh, I like this audio. Actually, I'm going to probably gonna, just restart the show over. We're not going to restart the show. Two, we're just going to roll with it here. Seven. Uh, so <laughs> on episode 287... In the oh studio God. with me tonight, I have my fabulous daughter, T-Bone McGeebone. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I apologize for you to that. And you know what? You clipped the, the audio. Do you know what clipping means? Reaching like the top. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know all those stupid YouTube videos that you watch where the people just scream like, and it makes the mic all distorted? That's what you just did. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and as usual, we also have Tobor in the house with us tonight. Tobor, you magical smelly beast, how are you doing? Good day, Neanderthal. Oh, Tobor, you idiot. I love you too. Uh, Tegan and Tobor, or Tiwee, Tobor, whatever you guys' names are. Hang on one second, let's switch the audio tracks. <laughs> All right, I switched the audio tracks. We're back on this one. It's so funny hearing ourselves talk. We're a bunch of idiots. Tiwee, you're on the show tonight, partially as Tobor's handler. I know he won't hurt me if you're here, or maybe you will, Tobor, I don't know. But... Uh, Usually he's pretty calm in the presence of younger life forms, so we'll just have to see about that. But uh, how are you doing? Me? Yeah. Um, fine. All right. And Tobor the Benevolent, how are, how are you doing today? Better than you, probably. Hmm, yeah. I, I hate this voice. I used to love this voice, Tobor. And I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you back to, I kind of like your derpy voice. So, uh, how are you doing, you idiot? Uh, good day, good sir. Good day, Neanderthal. <laughs> yeah. Tobor, you don't sound so imposing uh, with that stupid voice. Well, on this week's show, we're going to talk about a couple things. We have a great interview, and uh, let's just get into it. Welcome to episode... <laughs> Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, the motorcycle podcast so bad we received an ASBO in Wales. We've been voted best motorcycle podcast five times by David Caruso impersonators across the globe. Check us out on patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out how you can support the show. No further ado, let's get into this week's topics, this week's shows, this week's arresting conversations. Uh, hell, I'm out of here. Who am I fooling? <laughs> the views and opinions of the participants of Creative Writing Works like a podcast are those of the participants. They do not reflect the policy, position, or opinions of Creative Writing, the Moto One Podcast Network, any of our affiliates, and any opinion is the respective participants and is not intended to malign anyone or anything, even those Tesla semi-Pepsi driving mofos out there on the interstates. All right, welcome to this episode of Creative Writing. Let's join now. 
Our regularly scheduled programming already in progress. Hey, welcome back to your favorite podcast in the world. And if this isn't your favorite podcast in the world, get the hell out of here. I ain't got time for you. I'm going to break your spine over a Catherine wheel. I don't know. Um, Toboard. Jeez Louise. Calm down, boy. Um, Tiwi, you are here in the studio today. We're going to do a little bit of chatting about some recent stuff that you did. Uh, first off, let's start out the uh, start out the show with a bang. What are you drinking over there? Uh, Stone Hazy Ipa. Oh my God, give me that. What are you... <laughs> All right, so that, that was a little bit faked. It's called a Hazy IPA. It stands for India Pale Ale. Mm. Uh, too bad. I don't drink beer, so it's not my fault. Yeah, <laughs> that slides down the gullet. When you're old enough, you and I will enjoy a hazy IPA together. But by then, they'll probably have some space beer that kids are, are all drinking. That's all the rage. Uh, so, hey, everybody, welcome to this episode. Like I said, we have um, some special guests coming on in a little bit. Uh, today, I wanted to yak. I hardly ever have my kids on, partially because she's worse than Wiggins. She's over here looking at pictures of birthday cakes. Actually, Wiggins was always looking at pictures of birthday cakes and dumb stuff on his uh on his phone you're doing the same thing what are you looking at yeah you (laughs) yeah that's what i thought that's what i thought well i'm sorry the show isn't interesting what would make it more interesting to you to hear from kids what they've been up to lately and hear all the cool fun adventures they've gone on to have like space aliens blasting around to have naked robots chase me (laughs) around the studio with chainsaw arms killing each other naked robots that sounds good to me yeah, I bet it would sound good to you. Are you the naked robot? That's me. Yeah, I knew you were. So we're not going to get naked robots on this show, but uh, one of these days we might, Tobor, I'll let you direct the show uh, on your own when you're a good boy. However, I did want to say that uh, we I wanted to have you on the show because, as you know, um, you're getting a motorcycle for Christmas. Wait, you didn't know that? What? Yeah. <laughs> Are you excited about that? All right. Then you're not getting a motorcycle for Christmas. You're getting a weasel for Christmas. I'll take that. It's okay with me. <laughs> you know, when you were a little girl, I had you on. Wait, no, I want to redo that. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, I had the perfect chance for a joke that I only thought of after I All said right. that. What do you want for Christmas? A weasel? Another brother? Sure. <laughs> Man, your, your dad jokes are on point. So when you were a little girl on the show, we did talk about motorcycles. And do you remember what you told me? That you suck. <laughs> well, everybody tells me that after they've ridden with me at least once. <laughs> That's not what you said. You said, oh, I'd only ride one if you could like wrap yourself in bubble wrap or something like that. Something ridiculous. I think it was like, hey, what if I fall? Is there protection? Of course there's protection. But... Uh, this weekend, the only protection you had on was a helmet. Do you want to tell people what we uh, got to go out and do? Um, my dad's friends attempted to hit me with the car. That about sums up the weekend. <clears throat> How many minutes is this? Six minutes and 52 seconds. Erase this part. Tobor, <laughs> erase. <laughs> Tobor, erase. However, I don't know what you're talking about. They tried to hit you with the car. <laughs> okay. Um, actually... First of all, quit making all those grody <laughs> mouth noises. That's the w- number one thing podcasters hate is grody mouth noises. And you clip the mic again. You are the worst <laughs> piece of audio 
introduction to this podcast I've ever had. I'd rather have somebody blowing a loud fart for 12 minutes straight <laughs> than have you do all that grody mouth noise. You sound like a chupacabra <laughs> chupin' the cobra right off a of cobra. So listen, <laughs> we went out to the high desert last weekend with the one of the Chris's. I see what you're doing. You're playing a game on your phone. We want to tell everyone what the name of this cool game is. It's much better than a podcast. It's called We Drove a Buggy in the Desert. <laughs> That's what you wish. So we did drive a buggy. But um but yeah, I, I see that you can't be troubled to remember how fun it was because you're on your thing. No, when you were out there, you were having a blast. And the only time you weren't having a blast is when people were shooting guns. You were like <coughs> hiding for cover. Here in LA, we're so used to um, all the drive-by shootings and uh, gunfire that uh, I thought you'd be used to it by now. But yeah, you were you were terrified. Um, what was your favorite part about that? And uh, and tell us a little bit about your experience. We don't know what you felt inside that buggy. You're gonna have to tell us. So what was it like? Um, at first, I was like. Cause, mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I was scared And um Like Don't worry I won't play your game <laughs> <laughs> Well I don't think you would know how to play it Oh like Good that job. Like I just cleared that level You big idiot <laughs> He says you missed like tapping the button twice Okay anyways <laughs> um, So I was like really scared at first Cause you guys were like Jumping off like <laughs> mountains And <laughs> like the car And I'm like yeah. <laughs> and then, like, I Hey, got... what, what were you like? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then, like, I got in for, like, a little bit, and then, like, it wasn't that bad. Uh-huh. So, like... Please like... kill my... Kill your what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. She's annoying me, too, Tobor. I can't help it. So You're the but... one who wanted me on the podcast. I do. I really want you to tell us about it. I didn't want to hear the... <laughs> Yeah, listen, for anybody out there who's casting the Demigorgon in the next uh, Stranger Things Part 72, uh, we got some real sound talent right here. (laughs) (laughs) And if you need somebody to sound like Demented Elmo, uh, I got your... uh, So, But anyways, yeah, so you were freaked out when you saw everybody jumping it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, ooh. And then you got in and the seatbelt barely fit like around your waist. And I'm like... And then you came out and you're like, okay, Tegan, your turn. And I'm like, why is it my turn? The the seatbelt barely fit on you. How's it going to fit on me? I'm only three feet tall and it barely fit me. I knew it wouldn't fit you because you're only like seven pounds. Yeah. (laughs) And all those guys we were riding with, especially Wiggins being the passenger in that seat, I knew it probably wouldn't fit us very well. So, yeah. Long story short, that was fun. And then, like, I got in and I'm like, oh, I'm not dead. (laughs) Um. And then, do you so, honestly think I would let you do something that would kill you? You're like my most precious investment. Have you met yourself, my guy? Like, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what Come does that on mean? Now. <laughs> Come on, no, I'm for real. Uh, but I was just for I was glad that uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, have dirt bikes out there. Like I said, the gu- gun part wasn't your favorite, but the uh, this this the dirt bikes and the buggy and just having a good time. That's what it's all about. And I just wanted to encourage anybody who has a kid. Now, you, we've been in a buggy before. Do you remember when we went to Pismo Beach? Remember getting the buggy there? No. Oh. So when we were on vacation before, when we were up the coast a little bit, we went to Pismo Beach with the Oceano Dunes. We rented that 
buggy and they're like, oh, it's got 400 horsepower. Yeah. What they meant is that it was 400 cc's and it had about 12 horsepower. Do you remember mom was like afraid to go down that like cliff mm-hmm. drop? Yeah. So mm-hmm. you do remember that. Yeah. It was, it was pretty freaky. And we're literally probably half a mile from the freeway, but it feels like you're on another planet. Like I was kind of freaked out about getting lost because we did a few donuts, went over some berms, and then I looked around and there's nobody. And I'm like, oh crap, which way is the beach? Uh, the sun was straight overhead, so I had no, out there in the dunes, I had no sense of direction where we were supposed to head back to. So, And you can't follow the tire tracks because they were just all over the place. So long story short, We've been, we've been in a buggy before, but I didn't think you'd remember it, and it didn't have enough horsepower to jump to get out of its own way, let alone do some jumps like this one. So I was pretty stoked that you got to come out and have fun and see what it's like. Now that you know the secrets, when Dad goes away on these trips, <laughs> that, that's basically what I do, only there's a lot more beer drinking and, and shooting involved than when you were there. But yeah, there was I, I did have a blast. It was fun watching you get into it and be able to, to ride around. And, uh, of course I would have never let, um, never, I, I didn't drive you because I wanted you to have a good time <laughs> and <laughs> not be bored by getting driven around by your dad. But, uh, I was pretty stoked cause Siddons is a great pilot on that thing. And when I was riding with him, it was fun. It was like, I felt like we were in the Baja 1000, like he was going so fast and I knew he wouldn't do that to you, but I knew you'd still have a good time. So, Long story short, I just wanted to say I hope you had fun, and uh, I wanted to see get your opinion for any kids that get a chance to go out and hang with their dads and do dumb, boring stuff on the weekends. Is it actually fun and worth it? Yeah, as long as there's, like, actually water there. Come on. <laughs> there was, like, a swimming pool you could have drank out of. No, we were, like, in the... Like- in the oh, desert. Oh, that's or right. Well, we didn't bring the water with us. Yeah, and you I'm were like, pretty. Man, we yeah. were out here for like a couple of hours. I'm so thirsty. Do mm-hmm. we have water? And you guys are like, we have beer. <laughs> yeah, drink some beer. <laughs> yeah, we did not say that. But well, we we do. That's how we stay hydrated. But what we did was, yeah, you and I, you and I left our water in the car back at the staging area, and then we had to drive out. Uh, to where we were riding and shooting because you can't do that right next to property. So yeah, we had to go out a little ways. And once we got out there, man, it was like two in the afternoon. But do you remember what it felt like? It felt like nighttime. Yeah, it got dark pretty quick. In like two hours, by four o'clock, it was getting dark, dark. And and we didn't have water with us out there. And, uh, And so we needed to head back. That was my fault. We had water in the car and I just didn't bring it with us. And it was about a 20 minute drive back. It was like four and we were like heading back and we're like, is it Free- seven? Yeah. It felt like a seven o'clock at night. We were freezing cold. Like I remember you started getting cold really early and yeah, out there in the high desert, it gets, it's so weird cause it was sunny and bright, but like my fingers are red. Your face was red. Like I could tell we were, we were getting cold. So it's one of those things you got to think about. If you do go moto camping or anything out, even just regular camping, um, keep that in mind. It, it was, it's nice and it's bright and it's chilly, but it doesn't mean you, don't, are you, are you, what are you doing? Are you making noise? But it doesn't mean that it, uh, will be cold. I mean, it doesn't mean that you don't get dehydrated. The cold still makes you dehydrated and yeah, if you have a if you have a kid reminding you every five seconds that they're cold and thirsty, you will remember next time. <laughs> bring more jackets and bring some water because that was not pleasant. You did get out of there not only with a buggy ride, and you guys like went up the hills. You went off the jumps. You were magnificent, and you're one of those kids that's kind of cautious. You've never done anything like a hundred percent. 
That's so funny because your mouth isn't moving, but I could hear that noise. So you're one of those kids that's a little cautious and you don't just like jump off the bridge just because there's a bridge there. So it was really cool to see you kind of warm up to the uh, idea of getting out and going and doing it and then and then actually getting in the buggy and, and hauling some butt. Um, makes me think that like maybe uh, dirt bikes and mini bikes are in our future. But is that something you would want to do again is go out and camp someplace like that and like have a little th- bikes ride around? Yes. All right. Yeah. Episode two, uh, what did I say this was? 278, uh, 16 minutes and 20 seconds in. Uh, I'm going to email this to mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, so thank you very much. And thanks, Tobor, for, for uh, holding the fort down here with my other kid. I'm turning you off. I can't. <laughs> I can't take it. This is like audio overload. Oh no! You're not. You're not going to stay here with my other kid, Tobor. What? Oh, I, I heard that. I heard you say that. I don't know if anybody else did. Is he mic'd up? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. Please no, no, no. <laughs> Please no, no, no. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Thank you for holding it down with the other kid, the the weasel of the family. And uh, yeah, so I think we might get out there and do some more uh, fun, exciting adventures. In the meantime, if you want to hear about uh, what's your what's your podcast that you're working on, and what are you what have you been working on lately that's creative and writing? If this was a video podcast, they would just see your soul melt within <laughs> your body right there. <laughs> Didn't know what to say. Podcast. Yeah, why don't we make some more fart noises and crazy noises? That's awesome. Hey, ho- happy holidays, everybody. We're uh, we're gonna sign off. I'm gonna throw. This, I'm gonna get this kid in a headlock and poke her eyes a couple times. Oh my god, you're fired. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be right back with some creative rain. Let's listen to a. Uh, Anything else besides, I'd rather listen to the sound of a raccoon getting run over by a lawnmower than listen to any more of this grating audio. So anyways, we'll be right back. Uh, Stick around for some ads. Shut up. Oh my God. The holidays are approaching and it's time to start thinking about getting some presents for all the children in your life. Our friends, Nancy and Mark, creators of Mimi and Moto, want, want you to join their mission to get more children excited about motorcycles. Go visit www.mimiandmoto.com where you can purchase the couple's motorcycle books, The Adventures of Mimi and Moto, and Mimi and Moto Ride the Alphabet, along with t-shirts, onesies, ornaments, and plushies. And stay tuned as Nancy and Mark are working on a new chapter book called Mimi and Moto's Magical Meteors, First Gear, which will be released early in 2023. So remember, visit www.mimiandmoto.com today and get some Christmas shopping done that will help create future motorcycle riders. Hey everybody, when it comes to making plans, you are the best. From those delicious barbecues to special birthdays and unforgettable family get-togethers, the same way you plan those important moments, start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster like a hurricane, a flood, wildfire, or tornado. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts, prepare an emergency kit, and make a family communications plan. Get started today at ready.gov forward slash plan. A public service message brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. All right, ladies and joins. 
This is the Junk Meister. And before we're going to get into this week's show, as I said, we've got a couple of special guests coming up. And, well, we've got a special interview coming up. And before we get into that, there's a couple things I wanted to let you know that are going on. As usual, there's a ton of stuff happening around here in SoCal and all across the globe, it turns out. And, well, surprise, surprise, there's stuff going on around the globe. Um, So here's one of the things that's going on. We got Mama Tried. It is coming up here pretty dang soon. Mama Tried, if you didn't know, is an annual event that happens in Milwaukee. I believe that is Tatankan for land of the freezing or something like that. Anyways, so Mama Tried is going to be coming up here uh, in conjunction with Flat Out Friday. It's going to be February 17th. Uh, Mama Tried Motorcycle Show, of course, I believe is going to be at the High Dive uh, Plug Your In and Outer Sports Showcase Room. I don't know where it's at. It's at the uh, the High Dive, the Dive the dive In, the High Dive In, the Slip In. Hey, that's a place down in San Diego, by the way. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what that's at. I think it's called the uh, the Screwball Dive In, whatever it is. But Flat Out Friday is going to be at Fiserv Forum. Check out flatoutfriday.tv to find out how to watch and uh, get in on the, all the action. February 17th, that's happening. Uh, before that, much, much before that, uh, check your radars. Uh, Father Claus, Center Claus, or um, St. Nicholas, as he is called in all sorts of places, he is going to be riding his Harley Davidson Road glide across across America. Uh, when he gets to Germany, he's going to be in his uh, BMW R18. And in whatever ever country you're in, uh, uh, Father Christmas or Krampus or the Christmas Witch, if you're from Italy, or Cagatillo, the pooping log, if you're from Spain, uh, we'll all be having their special little things happening soon. Uh, also to our Armenian Orthodox friends, uh, Happy Christmas, January 3rd or 7th, whatever it is, whenever it is. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to go to a big, uh, big yum yum fest. So speaking of which, I hope your holidays are full of joy and fear. Because uh, if you haven't been good, you're going to get uh, probably an Applebee's card and a scented candle. That's how you know you've been really crappy. Uh, and December 31st through January 15th, not only is it going to be the new year if you follow the uh, Gregorian calendar, but uh, it's also going to be the 45th Dakar Rally starts in Saudi Arabia, December 31st. If you're going to be in Southern California, December 31st, there's going to be the little meetup down at Lucky Baldwin's Trappist uh, on the east side of Pasadena. It follows, you know, it's the parade route there on Colorado Boulevard, and it's on the east end where all the garbage is, all the homeless people mixed in with spectators and all the crappy seating. So if you want to see the cool televised portion, go to the West End where Orange Grove and Colorado meet and uh, right there by the Norton Simon Museum and all the newscasts that are playing the, sh- the uh, whatever it's called, the Rose Bowl, Rose Parade, that's what it's called. Uh, I've lived here in this city now for 16 years and I can't remember what the, fuck the parade's called. Nice. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so, so the 31st is when at Lucky Baldwin's Trappist, which is on the, the East End of Pasadena, little motorcycle getup uh, happens there, little meetup, and sometimes a ride. We'll see where it goes this year. Uh, January 7th, round one, uh, motocross happening at Anaheim. Actually, supercross happening at Anaheim. January 14th, round two takes place in Oakland. January 21st, back in San Diego. And January 28th, back here in Anaheim. Uh, 
February, at the end of February, I'm not 100% sure, sometime after Flat Out Friday, uh, American Superbike, no, Australian Superbike, usually has its uh, start time happening there in Phillip Island. And before that, before all that fun stuff happens, there will be a lot of stuff happening here still in SoCal. I, I know SoCal, yay, we get to ride all year round, Yahoo, Yahoo. But uh, did you know that the Hell on Wheels MC is going to be having a out at Glen Helen, which is one of the premier, you've heard me talk about it before when they had their day in the dirt there and several of their other races there. You've heard me talk about what a premier track uh, Glen Helen is. It's where we have GP of motocross happening. So what's happening out there? Well, let me tell you. If you want to know all the deets, head over to Hell on Wheels MC on Instagram. They'll tell you that uh, January 22nd, they're going to have MX Scrambles out there. Oops, sorry, Tobor. Out there at uh, Glen Helen Raceway. The gates open at 8. Racing starts at 11. Possibly some warm-up and uh, practice before that. Who knows? Also, head over to Hell on Wheels. If you want to treat yourself or a loved one who loves motorcycles and beautiful women paired together in a very tasteful way, I might add, uh, they have an awesome cal- uh an awesome calendar. I almost said an awesome California. Of course it's awesome in California, right? Am I right? Unless you're uh, from some other state where it's more awesome. They have an awesome calendar featuring some of the most beautiful motorcycles and some pretty good looking women from around Southern California put on and photographed by another lovely uh, SoCal um, icon. If you, if you know, you know, but uh, yeah, check out their, they got a really bitchin', uh, 2023 calendar out right now. So check that out. Uh, I've actually given that away as a prize before for uh, Solstice Slam. It was pretty sick. Or for Spooky Spokes, I forget. Whatever it was, it was was pretty awesome. But yeah, good calendar and good fun out at Glen Helen. Thanks to Helen Wheels MC. They're going to have a bunch of stuff coming up the the rest of this year as well. So um, check that out. Also happening in this part of town... The Creative Writing 400. Yes, if you're interested in joining the Creative Writing 400, why is it clipping? Tobor, did I scream? <laughs> did I scream? We scream for ice cream. Of course, ice cream is cold. It's like 50 degrees here in California. That's freezing, guys. I don't care what you say. That's freezing. Uh, but anyways, the Creative Writing 400 is going to be taking place for a lucky few. If you are a patron member of $10 or more, you've already received your golden ticket information <laughs> to get non- my NFTs of me, oh, never mind. <laughs> we'll get to that later. <laughs> so nobody wants an NFT of me buck naked on the top of Mount Everest. Okay, I guess that's just me. <laughs> I thought if Trump could pull it off, so could Junkie Turdman. Uh, if you are going to be around here December 17th, um, check out Southern California's Aiden's Ride. That's happening from 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock. Uh, there's going to be coffee and donuts at Biltwell Headquarters at 42349 Winchester Road in Temecula. Kickstand's up at 11, and they're going to do a 70-mile backroads ride to the Julian Pie Company in Santa Isabel, or Julian, as it's better known, down there in uh, SoCal. Check that out if you get a chance. Will it be cold? Hell yeah. Didn't you hear me just say it'll be 50 degrees, you stupid idiot? It's going to be freezing. Um, (laughs) I know that's not cold by Wisconsin standards, but by California standards, that's pretty cold. And in Julian, it actually snows. So there may be a a little bit of snow on the ground. Uh, Also happening January 18th, set your alarm clocks because... Uh, I think that's when the entries open up to enter for the Biltwell 100. Speaking of Biltwell, that is their 100-mile race in the Mexican desert that tortures 
Triumphs, BSAs, Harley Davidsons, and other inappropriate vehicles that shouldn't be out there racing, uh, Coleman Power Sports, uh, ATVs, whatever you got. It's actually happening Saturday, April 1st, 2023, but January 18th is when all the goodness opens for you to register. And it's a great time for you to buy all the built well moto gear that they have available for desert racing. Uh, oh, wait, Tobor's raising it. Tobor's frantically waving his arms at me saying they don't have anything that's appropriate for desert racing. So why this is desert race? Oh, just for fun. He says, okay, well my bad. Uh, but anyways, yeah, sign up, uh, January 18th, um, for the event, which happens April 1st. And it's not an April fool's joke. The only April fool is going to be you and you're crying face down in the dirt. Cause you smashed your, your Harley Davidson on the back of your neck. I don't know what, whatever. If you also are interested, I believe that you can still sign up. If you go to datanoster.com, I'm sorry, datanoster, D-A-T-A-N-O-S-T-E-R, dot bigcartel.com, you can still buy a ticket, I believe, and it's 25 British pounds, which I don't know with inflation and the time-space continuum, what that equals in Canadian dollars, Argentinian bucks, or U.S. frogbacks, but you can buy a ticket to possibly acquire the motoring legend that is the 1976 Honda CG125 Fluffy Thunder. Or you can get a Fluffy Thunder painted leather jacket or a Fluffy Thunder cake, according to the official Instagram of uh, Maxwell Paternoster, a.k.a. Data Noster, who has made this awesome bike. This bike almost rivals Spamala in awesomeness and customization. I got to say, this thing looks pretty sick, and it's got one hell of a paint job on it. Uh, 25 British pounds. That is not too much. That's worth the price of Brexit for you to get a CG125. I was thinking of even uh, entering the raffle, keeping the bike over there in England and just renting it out on Twisted twisted Road. But I don't think they call roads roads in England. I think they call them carriageways. So it'd have to be Curvy Carriageway or whatever the hell their rideshare app is over there. But anyways, long story short, keep it over there, rent it out, put your name on it, have people pay five British pounds to sit on it and take a picture, whatever it is. You could own this piece of uh, legendary artwork slash motorcycle history. And I believe... Uh, if I am reading this post right, that it was also at the, uh, if it wasn't at the one show, it was at some show that was pretty awesome. So, uh, yeah, check it out and, uh, win yourself fluffy thunder CG 125 built and customized by one of the best moto artists in the universe as we know it. Speaking of moto artists and uh, creative writers, I did want to say if you could do us a solid, check out mimiandmoto.com as you heard in the uh, ad there. Check them out. Get something. Even if it's too late for Christmas, it's always time to inspire a young rider to get on a motorcycle, learn what they're all about. Even if they don't end up riding, at least you make them aware of motorcycles. Family, you introduce them to words. You introduce them to speech patterns. And you give them some really cool pictures to look at. It doesn't always have to be about that motorcycle life, although it would be a lot cooler if it were, as was his face's character on uh, uh, Days and Confused always said. Listen, there's another artist that we want to uh, talk about. We, in the past couple months, we've talked a lot about uh, Meg Noble and Bun Titled. We've talked with Pine Drop or Rebecca Prop, uh, uh, Prop, Proppy, Prop, up in, uh, God, now I forget, uh, up in Ontario. 
our very own uh, previous co-host, Jay, L Flying Banana, now known as the Rock and Roll Banana. If you go to flyingbananashop.etsy.com, you can see some one-off artworks there. Go check that out and give her some little bit of attention. I think she's uh, getting back into writing, trying to get back on her feet, and so that would really help out. And also, there's a couple more things. Uh, I want to say there is a woman we met over this, uh, I wouldn't say the summer, this fall, Kiki. If you're in SoCal and you know who Kiki is, you know that she is a huge part of the moto community. Uh, recently, she has posted a GoFundMe for, uh, she has uh, a couple things going on right now, and the medical bills are insane. And even with insurance, and even uh, with Medi-Cal or Medicaid or whatever we have here in California, uh, public subsidized health insurance, state paid, whatever it is, there's a lot of there's a lot of costs with being sick these days, and the, the charges are insane. Um, if you can go, there's a GoFundMe for her. Also, Tana Roller, if you know uh, anything about also staying within the women in the in this fabulous moto community that Southern California has. Also, she has a uh, GoFundMe as well, and I believe uh, she's battling uh, some stage of cancer right now. And so if you could go check that out. If you know, uh, I think it's a quest called Tribe, I think is her Instagram um, and her one of the groups that she started. Um, yeah, just a lot of people right now in the uh, SoCal uh, motorcycle community that need a hand. And as you can imagine... Um, medical prices aren't going to go down. They're like housing prices. They just keep going up and up and up as they make the system a little bit wackier to navigate. Uh, also, I uh, want to say shout out to Jeffrey Carver, who is uh, also on the on the mend right now, recouping from a crash a few weeks ago. He is looking to be up. He's wearing his uh, Hawaiian shirt, so he looks like he's on the mend nicely. And good to see that. And I'm glad you're doing well, buddy. And I hope that you are getting back on two feet and two wheels. Someone who won't be getting back on two wheels, but I hope soon is getting back on two feet is Dan Michael. Dan was on episode, I don't, I think it's somewhere between 19 and 27 years ago, back in 2017, I think it was, we interviewed Dan. If you go over to 15digits.net, it's the number 15 and digits, D-I-G-I-T-S, like your fingers or, or, a, or a number, .net, 15digits.net, chronicles his, uh, basically his latest saga in his life. Dan is, uh, I think he's in his late 40s, early 50s now. He's been writing since he's four years old, and he uh, has owned a bajillion different bikes. He's got such a way with words and such a bright spirit, but one of the things that he doesn't often talk about and he didn't really share with us on our episode was uh, he does have a chronic lifetime illness. And in 2020, November of 2020, he basically screwed his foot into the ground. <clears throat> and so if you go over to 15digits.net, you can read this magnificent uh, copy from him. And as you know, he was a great artist. Uh, a lot of you didn't know that he was also a copy editor. So he's got this way with words. And it's a fabulous, it's a trauma diary. There are some pics on there if you're a little squeamish and he'll let you know. But basically it's his trauma diary from the day the accident happened, detailing everything uh, in its most gruesome uh, you know, con content and context all the way to where he is now. 
And it's been a fabulous read. I've been catching I'm about halfway done. Uh, there's 24 entries right now. I just finished 13 last week, and it is awesome. And if you if you know Dan, or if you have got a piece of his art or a piece of his work or some of his stickers from us in the past, you know what a great artist he was. And just imagine that he's just that much of you know, he's just as just as much of a fabulous guy. So go check it out, 15digits.net. Uh, read up on it there. And uh, yeah, wish Dan that you have the ultimate recovery. I haven't made it to the end, so I don't know exactly how you're doing, but I, obviously we chat a little bit on Twitter and we do talk to each other now and then. And uh, I hope you're doing well and uh, having a wonderful, wonderful um, recovery. So with that, let's, uh, enough of that jazz. Let's take a, another quick break here and we're going to get into this week's interview, which I don't know what to call it. The illest of the ill, the chillest of the chill, the zappiest of the zap. I don't know what to call it. So we'll just roll with, um, we have a great, a great interview with a couple, couple engine ingenuities ingenuity. I'm so drunk right now. Hey, creative writers, RP Enterprises wants to remind you of their latest, greatest invention, the medicated adhesive graphic strip. This medicated bandage strip is emblazoned with bold graphics depicting infected, pus-oozing, disgusting wounds. Whether you have just a minor scratch, a hangnail, or a clean gash, make sure you customize it with the Mags Bandage from RP Enterprises. RP Enterprises only available at fine retail stores near you. For over 131 years and several months, Klobmans has been supplying quality pickles to motorcyclists the world over. Legendary icons such as Sylvester Roper, Oscar Hedstrom, William Harley, Betsy Stringfield, Frank Willoughby Cotton, Evil Knievel, Nikki Hayden, and Sachiro Honda have all quenched their desires for a thick, juicy pickle sliding across their greasy, willing lips with none other than a fine specimen from Klopman's. Join the Hall of Fame, win your first race, impress the judges, put a Klopman's in your mouth, and a championship trophy on your shelf. Klopman's, not for dreamers, for doers. Klopman's, the only pickle for motorcycling. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is Creative Writing, and uh, thank you for all our sponsors uh, this month and all the uh, the great things we're doing. Hopefully, everybody's having a good holiday season. Back with us on the show, returning guests, we have uh, a couple of guys that we I've interviewed last year, one in, the, one in the summer of last year, so about a year and a half ago now, and one that uh, I was looking at, at our recording date, and I thought it was going to be a year this month, but it turns out we talked in October, so it's about a year and two months. Uh, returning back with us, we have Trent, who you uh, may remember as Trentovix on our show, and Hunter Leonard, who had, who we fawned over the Staritania, uh, or the Staritania, I think is I pronouncing and um both of you guys have been up to some crazy stuff uh this past year so i'm just kind of anxious to catch up and see what's been going on and what's new and you know what's been happening in your in your world um 
Trent, you're the one uh, who I, le- I, I, I least know what's been happening with. So uh, <laughs> what's going on with you and, and where are you now? Uh, now I'm up in Edmonds, which is just north of Seattle. Um, I spent a, a good year in Finland because I was hoping to start a business there building batteries, but things didn't work out. So I went ahead and grabbed an electronics technician job up here for now, and I'll save up some money and maybe try to do it up here. But um, yeah, I still got one of my two motorcycles. The other one I took apart and uh, I'll slowly rebuild it probably. Nice. And yeah, so last time we met up, it was like 110 out out in the desert. And now you're <laughs> <laughs> you're in the complete opposite of that, it sounds like. So um, yeah, happy, happy cold riding if you if you get a chance. And Hunter, what's been uh, what's new with you? What have you been up to? Uh, I life has been an absolute whirlwind lately. Uh, I graduated college and then I started a job at a paper mill for about three seconds, and then an engineer. <laughs> Uh, another engineer from Beta Technologies actually found me riding my electric motorcycle at a vintage motocross event, uh, not on the track, but like in the pits. And this guy just like waved me over and he's like, what the fuck is that thing? And then we started chatting, uh, he gave me his number. And then like two months later, we had an interview and uh, now I've got a different job uh, working for Beta Technologies, building electric airplanes up in Burlington, Vermont. And like, it's an absolute dream come true. Crazy. So, yeah, Crazy. Uh, life does life does not slow down. Right. So both of you have moved, and uh, you know Trent much further than than you, Hunter. But yeah, so l- life has totally changed. Trent, when you were over in uh, Finland, yeah, you were in Finland. How? What was? Mm-hmm. Um, what was that like? Was the a, a huge culture shock? I mean, I, I think you speak Finnish. It, se- it seems like, and uh, you're pretty comfortable. Seem pretty comfy over there. But yeah, was that a huge uh, culture shock and a, and a big difference from from what you were expecting to happen over there? Not too much, because I studied in university in Sweden, which is fairly similar. Not the language. The language is not similar, but like the culture is fairly similar. Um, so it wasn't too much of a culture shock and I have been to Finland before gotcha. um, so it was more of like relaxing and it was almost like a vacation I had enough savings to just wait for their migration department even though they took way longer than I expected um, so it was more like a very long mental health break and vacation <laughs> for me <laughs> nice nice yeah and and yeah who know with with COVID and everything going on, who knows? Like, I, I don't even know what time frame. Hell, I even got today wrong. Hunter was waiting in here for an hour, you know, panicking that we were, something was up because I got the, t- I can't do math, you know? <laughs> so time is, time is uh, an interesting thing these last few years, but that is, that's really cool. And you were going over there. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure if you were going to start a electric vehicle company or a battery company? What was that? Was it just going to be designing or uh, did you, do you have something that you kind of have um, proprietary stuff that you be, you were working on that you were trying to launch over there? Yeah, I even got like, um, they wanted a two year forecast of like revenue predictions, but all I wanted to do and still I might do in the future, I just need to save up some money is I want to start as like a sole proprietor mm-hmm. building batteries because batteries are in high demand right. and they're more like I know how to make them safe. Whereas like I am not ready to build motorcycles because that's a lot of responsibility and a lot of moving parts. Right. Um, but specifically batteries would be where I would like to start and tinker around with trying to start a small business type of thing. 
Right, right. And and I, I recently uh, bought a book by Mike Atoll, who's like an electric, you know, guru on, on all the electric bike stuff on building batteries. And I, when you were telling me that you were like shocking yourself on some of the plates and like, you know, it, it, sweating in the garage, I, I'm looking at it going, oh yeah, I see exactly what you're talking about. Cause all of that's covered in that book of, of you know, different systems and, and how you have to wire everything and even lay it out. And I'm going, wow, this is, it's more than just throwing a, a few cells together and, and laying some strips on it. it it's like a whole uh, planning phase to do that. So, right. I can see why it's not just a, an easy, um, you know, proposition just to throw together a, batteries and, Hey, start this company. Um, and then Hunter, you on your bike, you had recycled some, uh, Nissan leaf battery packs. And, uh, I saw that you got some coverage in AMA magazine, uh, at vintage days. I and, saw that. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like everybody was pretty stoked about that. What was your, um, experience with that? Uh, the funny thing about the batteries is, like, I can go into more details about this uh, later. But uh, not too long after we last chat, uh, I put the bat, uh, I put the whole bike in my living room for winter storage. Mm-hmm. Uh, we opened up the the back porch doors and wheeled it right into the living room uh, just so it would stay warm. Because uh, at this time it was like outside under a tarp because my garage wasn't big enough for to hold everything. Uh, and then over the course of like two months, I didn't leave the battery on the, or didn't leave the bike on the charger or anything. And about two months go by, I'm looking at the bike, just, you know, walking around. And I noticed that the batteries had developed a beer belly. Oh no. They were puffing out (laughs) and, uh, my heart immediately sank. And I walked over to the bike and it's a 32 S, uh, lithium pack. So it should be about 134 volts fully charged and I turn on the voltage like monitor, it tells me that my battery full voltage is 16 volts. Wow. Which is which is half a volt per cell. Right. Those Nissan Leaf cells were toast. Yeah. And I I can't tell you like the amount of like how crushed I was. It was like the, the amount of, it was almost like a death in the family had occurred. And like I was overcome <laughs> with like like emotional right. like disappointment yeah. and rage. And like I can't believe I let this happen. Yeah. Uh, and I just, well, then that like spiraled into a whole series of upgrades that happened over the winter. I can go into detail about that later. Yeah. Gotcha. So, and right. And so I don't know, I know that cold weather isn't good for batteries. I don't know what causes batteries to puff up and look pregnant, but I do know that 16 volts isn't even enough to power the power tools that I have around my garage. So yeah. So what exactly happened? Was it, was it being off the charger? Is it something that happens with the electric bikes? If you have them off off a charger for a little bit or not tended or something? Um, it was co- okay. It was a combination of two different things. Since the bike was a prototype, uh, it was missing a lot of like, like safety items that would protect mm. batteries in like a factory build or like a larger company would, uh, my batteries were just kind of, uh, free floating in space with only a few necessary items hooked up. Gotcha. And I didn't put the bike away fully charged I put the bike away, like 80, 90% charged and calculated that the, parasitic draw of like the clock and the voltage converter always being on and plugged in. I couldn't access them inside the bike. They were hidden behind batteries. Uh, I calculated that the bike would be good for about four to five months while fully charged before the cells got too dead. Well, apparently my math was wrong or one of the suppliers for my components lied to me and a component was sucking more power while the bike was off faster than I expected. 
So it just drained the battery with no remorse. Oh, wow. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, uh, when the voltage gets below a certain threshold. Now, I'm not an expert in lithium battery chemistries, but as the voltage gets lower, it's that voltage potential within the electrolyte that like keeps different elements separated. And then once that voltage gets too low, uh, off gassing occurs. And I'm not, not an expert on what that gas is from. But basically, the voltage that keeps the batteries' chemicals in place and what they're supposed to do break down and turn into uh, other elements and and just and yeah it's bad stuff. Gotcha. And just starts swelling. Gotcha. It's irreversible. Gotcha. Trent, does that does that jive up with what you know about batteries? <laughs> I mean, yes, but you don't have a BMS on that. Uh, okay, I do. I have a no. Uh, uh, so, so there's two reasons for that. A, um, it was really expensive for like really high quality battery management systems to like run all of that. And I couldn't afford it. And then also, uh, I still had battery, like active battery balancing, uh, boards and the low voltage cutoff was managed by the motor controller itself. And the high voltage cutoff for charging was managed by the charge, like the charger. So I had the low and high bounds uh, taken care of by other components within the battery, but those were supposed to protect the battery in active use. So like while it's yeah. actively mm. charging or actively being discharged, um, there's nothing stopping the, in the prototype version, now this won't be like, you know, a customer version, but like in the prototype version, there is nothing stopping the cells from going to zero. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, and you guys, I mean, you're, you're talking way over my head, so you you guys, it's it's uh, funny to hear you guys, you know, talk about that. I I wouldn't, you know, know the first place to look. I did by uh, mentioning Mike Atoll, I did get his book on, on you know, building lithium batteries and, and just now starting out where you guys have had, you know, years of, of playing around, but I've, it, it piqued my interest talking to both of you and seeing the cool thing. Both of you had such different, uh, styles of bike, you know, Trent his his was sort of like, uh, uh, I mean, I, Suron has bikes that aren't technically bicycles and they, I guess they're motorcycles, but when you ask a motorcycle person, even an e-motorcycle person, like what, what this is, it's a, Oh, that looks like a, an electric mountain bike. They were so different in styles. And then Hunter yours just looks like, you know, something from 1927. Right. So it was really interesting talking to both of you and seeing how you both built yours. So now that I, with both of you here on the phone, it's really interesting to hear you guys, uh, you know, talking about the, uh, the issues that can arise. Um, yeah, yeah that's interesting. And stuff, and I would have never thought of, you know, stuff that I have, I have no knowledge yet. Hopefully one day I'll be able to talk with you guys and it'll be, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, palatable, but so, so Trent, what are, what are you doing right now? You're working at a, um, you said you're working at a, an electronics firm in Washington right now. Yeah, I'm working for Philips. Um, oh, okay, so gotcha. I do testing for their ultrasound computers. So it's like, you know, low power electric stuff and just making sure computers are all working, software is loaded right and everything gotcha. like that. Um, so it's kind of a boring job for me, but it does pay well. Yeah, um, and then I'll go. look for opportunities later. Um, but I'm commuting mostly by motorcycle. Like I said, um, it snows every now and then. I'll have to take the car for a week or whatever. But mostly I'm using my motorcycle and I go to work at like 5 a.m. here, and sometimes it's like 
negative three Celsius or like <laughs> 26 yeah, Fahrenheit. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I'm learning how batteries react in the cold. Voltage sag goes way up, which means like if you're at 40% battery and you push max amps, it'll be at the bottom voltage and it'll shut off. Right. So <laughs> the range is reduced basically. Right. Dude, how long is your commute? Um, it's about 15 minutes. I'm not sure the distance, but there's a bunch of hills. Um, so it's, though. yeah, it's not too bad. I just don't have that much battery in this bike currently because I have a, a little project going on of harvesting a shitload of cells and then I'm going to make a new battery system for it. Yeah, yeah. And and both of your bikes looked so uh, well put together to me. And, you know, I, I do have motorcycle electrical experience, just not battery. And when I was looking at the way uh, both of them are set up, it was super crazy how um, the modifications you had made. And, and Trent, I know yours was more of harvested from a, um, a stealth bomber, but you still had to modify a few things to make it work and you still had to modify the frame a lot to get it to, to function. And, and of course that, you know, KTM front end, I think it had on it or a Husky front end, uh, you know, yeah, KTM. So, so basically, you know, yours was, yours was a pretty much a, a, uh, uh, piece together and then Hunter built his frame around his batteries at first and then you know started piecing stuff together and I know he does a lot of other I know he has vintage motorcycles so I'm, I'm assuming that cost also is uh, <laughs> part of what takes up your your additional funding when you you know if you're not not putting 100% into your electric uh, motorcycle it's probably because you have a fleet of other uh, vintage stuff going on too so uh, you know I can't fault you for that <laughs> for sure cost is a major uh uh, obstacle right now. Yeah, um, everything up to this point has been uh, fully funded with my own money uh, through the jobs and internships I've worked and stuff. Yeah, uh, and I wanted to remain fully independent all the way up until like I have a product ready to sell to someone. But I think things have changed a little bit. If I want to make more progress or make a better product, then I'm going to need some investor help. I mean, right, I'm going to need someone to fork over like $10,000 just for me to purchase the electronic components that I want to put on a breadboard, put on a treadmill and start doing dyno testing, like making sure, you know, the electronics I want to use, the motor controller batteries can all handle maximum amp draw and charging rates before I slam it into another frame and learn everything the hard way. Like, right, uh, right. All that stuff costs a lot of money and all my money's kind of going into those vintage bikes and a vintage car right now. Right. Nice. And yeah, that's something else that uh, interested me. Um, is it you both also, uh, approach things, um, you know, very DIY, but in a different way. And what would you like? I know that the, I know that this stuff can't be cheap. What would you say the biggest costs are? If somebody's wanting to get into, like, like I said, I'm, I'm just now, stepping into this i'm just now investigating motors and potential you know motorcycles that i may have laying around here that i can convert you know just to try it out even bicycles you know i, I really loved all the uh both of you have, have experimented with bicycles as well uh you know to to uh to get to your platforms currently yeah. but what um for for somebody just diy just starting out what would you say the biggest costs are going to be and what would what would be like a likely budget like hey start out with th think this much batteries. yeah it's batteries gotcha <laughs> gotcha yeah um, there are a few different options you can uh go with like uh what I think Trent was saying is like the, the reuse, the recycle option. You can find bulk batteries 
that were used for a different uh, function, like drill batteries or laptop batteries, and you can sac uh, you can salvage the cells, balance them, and build your own custom packs. And that would be the most budget friendly option, but the most labor intensive option. Right. Um, you can buy brand new cells. You can find like cells that naked cells that were like overstock and were never put in their final product and they're, you know, just selling them in bulk, but it's still going to cost, you know, it, depending on the range, power output, what you need, that's going to be the biggest uh, cost right. of any electric vehicle. Right. And Trent, what was your, um, was the batteries also the biggest cost on your build? Uh, in terms of the actual parts, yes. But for people that are getting into it for DIY, Depending on what they're building, like if it's a normal e-bike, their biggest cost, depending how much they want to do themselves, could be tools. Okay. Because there's a lot of tools that you need to, If, like I said, depending how much you want to do yourself, spoke tensioners, uh, welders, and spot welders, and several other things, every wrench you need, every drill bit you need to tap in bolts into the frame, and everything like that, right. grinders, all of those cost a lot of money, but once you have the tools, then it, you can go in. Right, yeah. right, right. And yeah, I mean, I can tell you that even cheap welders aren't that cheap. I mean, if you're doing it, if you're trying to do it on a budget, yeah, cheap stuff technically isn't cheap. The more that you need, also, it, it could end up costing in the long run because you got to buy it twice or it doesn't work <laughs> that great. And uh-huh. I used to work in a shop in a in an automotive shop, and of course, when I worked at the shop, we had all these pro- all the guys had projects, and we'd come in on the weekends and we'd throw, you know, a few bucks for supplies, and we had the great best stuff. But then when you come when you you quit working there or you come home or you know you're trying to work on stuff in your garage, and yeah, you don't have that you know awesome uh, you know deep spot welder or like a you know all these sorts of presses and anything like that. Yeah, you're looking at like. Oh geez, I can go buy that real quick. You know, even from Harbor Freight, though a cheap one is still a lot, and then it doesn't do a great job, and you end up <laughs> going to buy a new yeah. one or whatever. So right, yeah, I, I can see where that could lead you down a lead you down a hole. Um, and then as far as um, batteries, like Hunter, how much were the batteries that you were able to um, salvage? I think they were secondhand from from a Nissan, uh, somebody that recycled them from Nissan. Yeah, a Nissan Leaf. Uh, so the first set of batteries were uh, Generation 1 Nissan Leaf cells. So like 2011, 2012 Nissan Leafs. And buying 16, no, uh, buying 16 of those packs uh, was $750 in total from batteryhookup.com back when they sold those cells on their website. And that was just about, it was like $50 a module. And that was about as cheap as you could get them on the market. But these batteries were already approaching nine, 10 years old at that time. Right, gotcha. It's an older battery chemistry with less capacity. And they were were cheap, and that's why I got them. Um, And they were cheap, and they were going to work for the prototype and get the prototype moving. So I stuck with those. Uh, And those are the cells that eventually met their demise by dying and so I replaced them with generation 5 Nissan Leaf cells and that took a bigger hole out of my wallet uh, buying uh, eight of those modules was three thousand dollars right right and but but with the same it, they were the same form factor so they had the same bolt holes same size only slightly heavier but I like almost like more than doubled my range with gotcha. those batteries because 
because those were out of like a 2019 Nissan Leaf with a much different like battery chemistry. Those way more energy dense. Gotcha. The nice thing about that too is that you didn't then have to go back and remodify your frame or remodify your bike to make it make it yeah, work they were, essentially. Uh, they bolted right in. Gotcha. That's so that's nice that you got a little more range. And and I for anybody, for anything, if you're gonna buy uh even uh internal combustion stuff, if you're gonna buy something like a bigger dirt bike, let's say, that's a 250 versus a 125, they're essentially the same, but you're, you are paying more, you're getting a little more and it's going to increase your capability. So I, I, I see the parity there. Um, but yeah, three grand is, is, uh, is a big jump from, you know, under a thousand, let's just say, uh, Trent, when you were building yours, what was the, roughly the cost of, of yours? Is there, is there any cost savings doing it yourself? Definitely cost savings doing it yourself. I can't remember how much the current batteries costed because I made two 100-cell packs that I was planning to use on the second motorcycle and the cargo bags. Um, And I don't think it costed too much, but I don't remember the dollar value. Those are now on the first motorcycle. Um, I put those in in parallel. But the second motorcycle was running a five kilowatt hour pack on Samsung 35Es. And that was before I knew how to build batteries. Gotcha. I want to say that costed like $2,100. Um, but if you were to build it yourself, like I could now, which I would have preferred doing because that pack was not built well, that's the one I'm salvaging now. Okay. Um, <laughs> that would probably only cost like 1500 and five kilowatt hours for 1500 is pretty good and those are samsung 35e's um if i rebuild the second motorcycle eventually i'm gonna move on to samsung 50e's which are a different size factor and they get much more energy density but the ones i'm salvaging now are going into my smaller motorcycle gotcha yeah so your other one if you don't mind um because i don't know if uh, uh a lot of people um, from back then knew that we had two. I, we I me- we mentioned two when we were talking, but um, you did have one that was uh, a little bit smaller. And was that the one that I met with that you were riding when I met you, or was that the was that the bigger one? I think I had the bigger one when we met up. Yeah. The smaller one does not have the KTM fork. Yeah, it, has, okay. uh, it was the bigger a one. mountain bike fork. Gotcha. But, uh, okay. Surprisingly, that mountain bike fork can handle 65 just fine, but I would not take it on a highway. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, people bomb. Uh, I've seen people bombing all sorts of stuff around the streets here. I agree with you. I probably wouldn't trust that on the highway. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, people, there was a guy, uh, old guy and his wife, uh, I was, I'm assuming, uh, riding something that it looked like a Super 73. It could, there's like so many Super 73 like ripoff brands nowadays. They all kind of look similar. So I'm not 100% sure the brand, but they were using it just like a scooter, you know, just cruising down the street, holding up a little bit of traffic one morning when I'm driving. I'm going, oh, interesting, <laughs> interesting that people are, are commuting on these like, uh, like, like there's electric scooters now. Um, and yeah, so that, that, uh, that's super interesting. And, uh, Hunter, you're, you're working in the, now this is crazy to me cause I always wondered if this day would come, you're working on electric airplanes, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So are they uh, full I, size or drone size or, or, or what's the, uh, uh, okay. Uh, so beta is possibly the coolest company ever to work for. Um, and I mean that like totally honestly, like you should definitely check them out. Uh, they're a really cool place to be. Um, beta technologies is 
pioneering uh, eVTOLs, uh, electric vertical and takeoff landing aircraft. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so they are full-sized, uh, full-sized for people. Um, our current, uh, our first uh, airplane is Aaliyah, and Aaliyah is a four-lift like four rotor and one pusher propeller aircraft that uh, uses over like a megawatt of electricity to, to take off vertically. And that like amount of power is absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. It sounds like uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. we uh, we make all of our own electric motors. We make our own battery packs as well. And just like being on the bleeding edge of this, like of electric technology is absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. I, I always wondered if one day we'd see large scale, you know, flights, you know, commercial flights being electric. And I mean, I guess this sounds like it's a step in that direction. Uh, I, I know that there's people that are already on those little drones that can hold one person and there I've actually seen some drone deliveries. So, I mean, I know that they're working on personal stuff, but I, you know, to hear that it's a, it's a four seater, uh, that's pretty incredible. That's uh, kind of nuts. So yeah. Uh, Aaliyah with uh, the, the commercial like, passenger, package with all the seats i believe can carry uh eight people oh wow so so like um you look at the photos and videos of Aaliyah flying around right now uh and they're not animations like our planes flying currently uh you watch those videos and it's like oh Aaliyah's so cute it's so small and then you go to stand underneath it and it's like two stories tall it towers <laughs> over gotcha you. <laughs> how funny how funny and it's one of those things where is it because it's in the air and there's less, like, you know, on the ground, <clears throat> I know one of the things you have to take into consideration is rolling resistance. And like Trent said, hills and weather will definitely drain your your batteries. But when you're in the air, is there less resistance as long as you're, like, not flying into a headwind? Um, is it... Yeah, biggest, uh, the biggest problem is aerodynamics. Is gotcha. how well you uh, you slide through the air. Uh, so Aaliyah was designed to be very slippery. Uh, that means it glides through the air very easily compared to some more like standard aircraft, like uh, a Cessna 172, for example. Right. Uh, so that really helps us with the range that we can achieve based on battery power alone. And uh, we designed the aircraft after the Arctic turn, which is uh, a, like one of the farthest traveling migratory birds on earth. Gotcha. And we used the body shape and wing shape of an Arctic turn. And like that was that heavily inspired uh, the design behind Aaliyah's wingtips. Crazy. Yeah. I've seen that before where people will look at, um, for, for, uh, aqua or, or, um, you know, water-based things, they will look at the, uh, the forms of, of, uh, some fish and some other and seabirds to see how they, uh, combat that too when they're, when they're swimming and they'll, you know, look at hydrodynamics, same, same as aerodynamics and, and uh, develop new new watercraft. Basically, it's pretty interesting how that works. That's crazy that the uh, the Arctic turn is. Uh, it sounds like a crazy weather pattern that I wouldn't want to get stuck in, but that both of you now live close to. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's a it's a funny. It's a bird. Um, that's pretty rad. And I assume that getting off the ground is what the I, and one megawatt. Um, both of you probably are like, okay, one megawatt. I'm like, what is that? What does that equal? Because when I hear one megawatt, that sounds like something that's going to power the city that I live in. You know what I'm saying? They're always talking about million how watts. Okay. So that <laughs> how what is the maximum like kilowatts of a like a Tesla Model Three? Hold on, I'm looking that up right now. Uh, how much how, how much power is in a Tesla Model Three? Uh, it's 
it's giving me kilowatt hours. No, like how much I'm trying <laughs> to find like a like a good comparison. Right. So uh, how many horsepower is that? A million watts sounds like it's gonna be painful if I touch that with a wet finger. I mean <laughs> that that is a lot of uh that's a lot of a lot of energy. And it, and I'm guessing that's to get off, but how do how, is that stored? I mean, oh. is that Oh, uh, okay. So a Model Three high performance uh, has four hundred fifty-five horsepower, which is about a little over three hundred kilowatts. Okay. So us taking off is three uh, Tesla Model Threes at full power. Gotcha. Which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, just to just to lift this thing off yeah. uh, off the ground. Let's uh, turn that into a drag bike. <laughs> oh yeah, there are there are some electric drag bikes out there with a megawatt uh, of power. I bet that sounds insane. That is so nuts. A million watts. Wow, that um, that amount of power. Uh, what are the? I don't know if you can divulge these secrets and and maybe uh, uh, get with Trent later and give him some some heads up for his battery company. <laughs> but what <laughs> what sort of uh, what sort of um, materials are we talking about? It's not. I'm guessing it's not your standard lithium ion or, or anything that people are familiar with. I'm, I'm. I know that there's been some advancements in the battery segment that people are trying to get more energy dense um, materials. Right. We're currently using uh, 21700 uh, lithium ion cylindrical cells, and uh, we have them packaged into 800 volt batteries, and. Uh, we have up to five battery modules, and each battery module is about 65 kilowatt hours of energy. Wow. And each one of these batteries is like 700 pounds. So these are giant packs that can all be linked together in parallel. How many are there? There's five? There's, you can put up to five. Up to five. Uh, in, in Alia. So you got more batteries than passengers on some of these and double the, well, I guess depending on how big the passenger is, uh, it sounds like it's like double or even possibly triple the, uh, the weight of a, of, a, of a passenger. So that's crazy. So the majority of the weight of this thing is, is the power just to get is, it up. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. We are heavily constrained by the energy density of batteries. Yeah. Like that is one of the hardest things to overcome with electrifying any vehicle is just the the low energy densities compared to uh, like burning fuels. Right. Have either of you been playing around in the garage, like you know Doc Brown from Back to the Future, and accidentally come across something? You you don't have to tell anybody because I don't want if you if you have just keep that keep that million dollar idea. But is there is there something that out there that somebody's not looking at? Do you guys think that might have the answer that everyone's looking for? Uh, I don't have anything remarkable, but, um, capacitors in general have impressed me, especially in like some of the Kelly, uh, inverters or controllers for these motorcycles. If you get the 72 volt version, uh, for some of this high power shit, that's like over 20 kilowatts continuously, they purposely made it cause the controller has to downstep high voltage to low voltage to get good torque. If okay. you purposely get 72 volt and you have a very high power system, which means you're going to have to have some very high gauge wire because it's pulling amps instead of volts. Right. Um, the 72 volt version gets 700 phase amps max on their best model. And that's more than any zero because uh, zero, I think, uses ASI. And I can't remember exactly what their max phase amps was, but it definitely wasn't 700. Right. Um, so even in these cheap hub motor type of builds like mine, 
these things are pulling off insane torque and they don't have any gears. There's no gear ratio. Like the motor itself is pulling off insane torque. Uh, that second motorcycle I had had the 600 phase amp model and that thing was wheeling like nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just a little bit of the turn of the throttle and up you go. <laughs> Crazy. And, and that's another thing I want to say because I, I know that yours is a hub motor and I know that there's a couple other brands out there that have hub motors. And for the unsprung weight though, I mean on the street that's probably not a huge issue but if you were going to do something off-road or dual sport, that's got to be one of the biggest things. All that weight going up and down constantly on the springs and everything. I mean that's like... Uh, that seems like it handled nightmarishly as well as vibrate you to death. You know what I'm saying? So how does that, um, it, does that kind of factor into some of these things when people are trying to make motorcycles that look a lot more like traditional motorcycles or are steering away from hub motors, you think, even though there's more potential power? Um, I guess that's another thing I could mention that people are overlooking is one of the main reasons I do use hub motors is battery real estate. Gotcha. If you put the motor in the middle of the bike, you have just lost a lot of battery space. Right. Um, That's exactly why I went with a hub motor on my bike too. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's definitely overlooked. And I think a lot of motorcycle companies, especially the street-focused ones, need to start considering hub motors. And if they actually started, somebody needs to come up with a good front-end hub motor because if you could take half of the weight of the, the rear wheel that's super heavy right now on my bike, if you could take half of that and put it into the front wheel, not only are you going to pull off more power because you've got more air surface area uh, for cooling, if you had the weight distributed between both wheels, hub motors are absolutely practical. Right, um, right. But that's only if you could get it in the front wheel. The rear wheel is kind of a little too heavy right now. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, um, Ubco is one of the only brands I can think of that has a two-wheel drive uh, motor quote motorcycle, and it is hub. Uh, they're hub motors for that reason, and I think. And you know what? It it uh, I think some people are scared to not have a chain for some reason. Uh, I, I, I think it's people are worried about the unsprung weight of the hub motors in their wheels. They're worried that the extra mass of the tire is going to affect how that tire moves with the suspension right. uh, over bumps. So if your tire weighs more, it's going to take longer for it to move up over bumps, and that's going to take even longer for the suspension to push the wheel back down into the ground. Right. Uh, so it's a loss of traction, like a change of your uh, your handling characteristics that people are terrified of. Yeah. So right, I was gonna say, do you think it? Do you think all that weight spinning also? Well, actually, I don't know if hub motors technically need to spin, or just the inside does. But also, does it affect your gyroscopic motion and make turn in harder because the you know it's pushing? It's kind of like getting uh, on. On I used to race um, or autocross um, front wheel drive cars and rear wheel drive cars, and the front wheel drive ones definitely had way more um, understeer because the front is pulling you through that turn, and you could kind of point and shoot, but you can't use the rear end to to steer like you could with the rear wheel drive. And it was, I was always understeering those things like mad. You had to drive them a special way to be fast with them where everybody else can just kind of give it a little more gas and get the front end turned. Those were never going to do it because of that, partially because of that same thing that you would experience with, uh, with a hub motor and the gyroscopic motion, not wanting to turn right as you're, uh, as you're, leaning into a turn or, or counter steering at, at speed. I, I imagine for commuter bikes, you, you, you're both are, are right. There's no reason uh, for street bikes and commuter bikes not to 100% consider 
uh, a hub motor, especially because you could make it two wheel drive. And for uh, year round commuting, I can't think of anything better. But I, I guess if you're racing or going through, or if you're making like a sport styled bike where you're expecting to kind of push the limits, that I guess would be, uh, you'd have to develop a whole suspension around that that hub motor. Um, is that, I mean, does that it's affect it? It's, right. That's not like impossible to achieve. Uh, like if, if, it is, if this is a commuter bike, uh, just a cruiser, uh, you're not racing this MotoGP style, then right. a hub motor, in my opinion, is totally fine. As long as your suspension is tuned for that uh, weight of the wheel, I don't really see an issue. Like, uh, I think it's a kind of an unfound fear. Right. Uh, same thing with like the unfound fear of like electric vehicles. Oh, what about the range and stuff? It's like we're solving that every day with more charging stations, and you can charge at home, which is where your vehicle is ninety nine percent of the time. So, right. Uh, it's. I think it's just a lot of like myths that just stay in the public eye and they get perpetuated through like memes and jokes and stuff. Right. Oh uh, yeah. Not so much the hub motors, but uh, I don't think it's an issue personally. That's why I went with the hub motor. Right. Also, my my bike originally was a hardtail in the back, so it didn't make a difference at all. Right. Right. And that's exactly that for for yours. I mean that there's no worry there. <laughs> and Trent, on yours, um, I know that uh, I remember looking at it, and obviously there's no chain to worry about. Um, and I don't remember if it had a rear brake though, or if you just if it reverses the polarity and it kind of slows the wheel down with electricity, but I obviously on the front, you had that KTM. If you were to, if you were to go to hub motors on the front and rear, what would the braking, would you, is it, would you have to reimagine uh, or kind of reinvent a braking system to go on that or modify something to fit on there then? Um, that, that was kind of what I missed getting into was that's another humongous benefit. If they started getting into making uh, front end axles capable of, of front mo- hub motor. There's a lot of power that I get back into the system because I specifically use the region for like 80% of my braking. Gotcha. And it gets a lot of range boost off of that. So if you had it in the front too, then you would almost never be using the, the heat brakes through the discs because gotcha. there's no point. Gotcha. You want the power back. Um, so that's another reason, like even... Even if you just got like a very small front hub motor that's like 1500 watt or whatever and specifically used it for region braking, it would be worth it. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And is it reliable? Does it stop you just as fast as, as uh, you know, mechanical brakes? Yeah. yeah, especially because I have a, a specific lever for it because like there's different ways you can program it. There's some that are on and off and I don't like those, but the Kelly controllers allow you to use an actual analog lever so okay. you can control it. Um, like so 50%, 20%, like you, if you squeeze yeah, the it's, lever. Yeah, it's like I a throttle you. in reverse. Gotcha, okay, okay, yeah, I see. Awesome. But, um, yeah, yeah I, I love it. Um, the only problem with me is I only have a rear hub motor, so it has to be rear braking if I want to capture the energy. So there's still times I use the front brake to slam on brakes is right. when yeah. I use the front. Uh, would you be able to do stoppies if you had hub motors? Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, no stunters. Are- <laughs> the the issue is going to be uh, the hub motors, if you want, like, wheel-stopping amount of braking power, then you are sending uh, a shit ton of power to your batteries, and your batteries might not be able to take that amount of, gotcha. like, current. 
Uh, that's just one issue. And then the next issue is regen braking becomes less effective the slower the motor is turning. So uh, right. at least uh, on the Kelly motor controllers, like you can use regen all the way down to like five miles an hour and then it will cut out on you. And some motor yeah. controllers can go all the way to zero. Uh, at least on my Steratania, I use a Kelly motor controller as well. And regen braking with the with a second throttle input so for variable regen is absolutely wonderful, but it won't bring you to an absolute stop. Gotcha. You got to Fred Flintstone it or put some sort of mechanical backup on there then. Uh, yeah, I've still got hydraulics front and re- uh, hydraulic discs front and rear gotcha. for emergency stopping. Gotcha. And how did you fit that on the hub? Uh, did you have to like machine something to fit that onto the hub motors? For the brake rotor? Yeah. Uh, the hub motor uh, that I bought from Enertrack, uh, they it comes with a disc gotcha. and a caliper from, gotcha. from the company. In, in case you're not going to use uh, Regen or something like that. Gotcha. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then, so so yeah, so it sounds like hub motors would be the way to go. And and, and honestly, uh, this is the crazy thing too. I've been looking at a lot of mountain bikes. And I don't know if you, if you both follow the electric motorcycle uh news or you know what's coming out like Eichma and all that fun great stuff but there there's so much on the horizon right now and and it's transferring over to electric um, bicycles too I, I recently saw this new electric bicycle that has a crank set where there's no chain the crank set is you just pedal it and it sends a signal to the rear sort of like you're you're talking about the analog um, signal that says hey I'm pedaling this fast and, and I'm in this gear and then as you click the gear there's no real gear it's just telling the crank set that now we're at this ratio and so it'll it'll make it more difficult or easy to to pedal the rear, but the rear is basically an internal hub motor, and then the crank set is a hub motor, and they just talk to each other, or, or you know, it's a signal sender, I guess, and they talk to each other, and there you go, no more chains, no more chain maintenance. I mean, I guess the biggest thing is if that breaks, it's not as easy. In, any any monkey can put a chain on, you know. I could I could go teach a a three year old kid how to do it, you know. Uh, that's who taught me how to do it was a three year old kid, so I should I should know that. But when it when something breaks, like electrical. And if you're not familiar with it, I think that's another fear factor. Is that I think people are just not um, ready to see everything they know disappear. But it's almost like this magic trick. And listening to both of you talk about the possibilities and and the capabilities and what's actually out there right now, it just sounds like one of those things that there's this whole magician trick being played, and everybody's everyone's excited when they see it work. And and it's so easy to just look behind the curtain and see how all that's working if you wanted to. But no, people, I think people prefer, at least in the motorcycle world, for right now, they prefer the loudness and they prefer seeing things move and, <laughs> and not trusting that there's like this weird invisible electrical force happening there. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that. I, I think that that's going away as we see a lot more. OEMs actually talking about making some, uh, you know, big, huge steps in, in the electrical, um, in their, with, with their offerings, but also in ICMA, uh, and, and just around the globe this whole last year, I've been talking to a lot of people in the electric industry about, um, battery swappability, things like that. These people are working on it in the background as it is now. So that t- come 10 years, it'll be a thing and there won't be this huge, intermittent phase where we're, oh no, we're without some sort of reliable uh, transportation because we, we didn't know what, we, this whole time we're relying on oil and petroleum and now we're got to switch to battery. What do we do? They're already putting that stuff into place. Does either of you see 
uh, value for a DIY person or or just for the industry in general, I guess, um, in the swappable batteries or being able to, uh, you know, use batteries across different platforms? Like maybe, hey, you know what? Like these batteries that you have in your uh, Steratania, Trent could one day go get the same battery and plug it into his. You know what I'm saying? Is that, is that like something that changes the game for people that are getting into building their own uh, electric motorcycles? In my opinion, no. <laughs> Swappable <laughs> batteries are a great opportunity to privatize things right. and make things a nightmare. Um, they basically, you know, batteries degrade over time. And if you're swapping them, you don't own the battery. The company does. Right. Now. Gotcha. Uh, so, yeah, you can end up getting a battery that gets 70% the range that you would have wanted because you swapped it for a worse battery in their warehouse or whatever. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, what about you're building your, your, you know, little motorcycle or scooter in your garage and you say, Hey, I know GoGoRo or some company like that already has, I know there's like a bunch of companies coming out like that now that you can just go to the mall or whatever, or go to a filling station and pull out your battery, plop it back in the slot and then pull one of theirs out similar to swap, swapping a propane tank or something, uh, today. Um, what about that sort of stuff? If you're building a, a bike and you don't want to engineer your own batteries, is that, I mean, is that good? You think that'd be uh, viable, or do you think that you're like you're saying you're still at the you're still at the mercy of the provider at that point? Yeah, it's just it's too easy to privatize that. Um, where the essentially it, it, it kind of runs down the same icky feel that I get for Tesla superchargers that specifically work for Teslas. That yeah. would happen in that case. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And and Hunter, what about you? Uh, you gonna stick to well manufactured batteries, or you think you're ever gonna get into manufacturing your own someday? And um, you know, I- uh, I'm definitely going to have to look into using different batteries. Uh, now, the original thought with the Nissan Leaf cells was like, oh, these will be available forever. I'm totally a genius. And then what happened was when the first <laughs> set of batteries died. And I had to go buy more Nissan Leaf batteries. Uh, whoops! There are like no more Generation One battery cells yeah. available online. Like the market was just sold out of them. Uh, and then like there were a few on eBay here and there, but no one had sixteen of them. And each everyone was asking like a hundred dollars a cell, which is now like twice of what I originally paid for my set of cells. So um, it was kind of a blessing in disguise that I had to go buy a new bank of batteries of newer cells. But those are also from a salvage, like a crashed Nissan Leaf. So gotcha. those are also like a limited number. And this one dude that I found on Facebook Marketplace happens to have at least eight of them, uh, which I needed. Yeah. Uh, I say eight versus 16 because like the new generation five Nissan Leaf cells are like double stacked. So they're like two of the old generation batteries put together. So I needed half the amount. But anyways, gotcha. Uh, definitely. I'm looking into right now uh, lithium phosphate. Uh, they can come in rectangular battery uh, sizes. So packing factor is like near 100%. And then you can connect them all with copper bus bars. So it's just bolts. There's no spot welding, no soldering, uh, all hmm. stuff I want to avoid at, as much as possible. <laughs> uh, because Trent would know how painful it is to like spot weld all <laughs> yeah. your cells together. And I don't want to do that. Yeah. At all. <laughs> yeah. Literally painful too. I think there was a couple times out in the desert, especially that it gets uh, a little hot and sweaty and you're dripping sweat all over uh, a <laughs> live elect- oh, yeah. electricity. Isn't fun. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, awesome. So the other thing is that now also with uh, lithium being one of the major components of you know these different because lithium ion, lithium phosphate, lithium carbon. I think I've seen, um, and lithium is a salt, right? So uh, I don't know. I've seen that Bonneville has got new interest. And, you know, for a long time it was salt, uh, table salt was basically all they got out of there, uh, and now as they're using salts and more and more things, it was great for them. But now lithium being part of a salt brine is making mining companies that kind of were like, yeah, you know, what do we want Bonneville for? Now I've seen more and more that they are getting reinterested in weird places like that. And I think Argentina of all places, I think it was, has a huge like salt plain perhaps that has these brine pools. Uh, What do you guys think of that? The, The amount of weird materials that it takes now to make batteries and, uh, you know, what is that going to do? Because everybody's everybody talks about digging up fossil fuels now, but what also about, you know, mining, not mining, but for lithium, you you don't mine it. It's it's a water, but you still have to you still have to do like thousands of gallons of salt water to get this little bit of lithium, I guess. So what do you what do you think of the uh, what do you think of that? Is there anything on the future or on the horizon that might change that or change the game as far as that's concerned? I think uh, a lot that people are overlooking is how much battery per vehicle. And that's why I ride in a motorcycle that's electric. Gotcha. Whereas you've got like an electric Hummer, take a look at how much battery is required <laughs> right. for that. <laughs> right. Oh, but funny you bring that up. Uh, I'm actually, I reserved, have you guys heard of the Aptera electric car? Uh, no, not that I can think. I've heard of no. so many, but I, I don't know if I've heard of that one or not. It sounds familiar, I mean, but it could just be my, my brain playing tricks on me. And if you Google it real quick, it's a very sleek, uh, super uh, super aerodynamic uh, trike. It's a three-wheeled car. Oh, and okay. um, so they started, they built an electric car under like the, the idea that uh, everyone else has got it wrong. You need to build, it's, a, it's an efficiency problem. So if you make your car slip through the air and glide over the road surface, taking very little energy, well, then you need less motors and you need less batteries and everything is cheaper because you need less of it or to get the same amount of performance as other electric cars. Um, It it almost looks like an airplane cockpit with wheels, to be honest, looking at it. Yeah, and of all trikes I've seen, I think it's actually one of the coolest looking trikes. And I just have this like this unsaturated... satisfiable desire to drive something weird yeah. or drive something different. So I didn't want to like, you know, get a Chevy Bolt or a Tesla or something you see every day to drive to work. Like I want something very interesting and very different. So I decided to reserve one of those and they only used one kilo. They, well, they claim to only use one kilowatt to go 60 miles an hour on flat ground, which is nothing. That is so little power. That yeah. is how much power an electric bicycle uses. Right. So that's another thing I want to talk about because you you guys easily throw around kilowatts and megawatts and, and uh, uh, every time I'm looking up some specs on a motor and it says, oh, it's got 750 watts, it's got a thousand watts, like what's street legal, what isn't, you know, what's bike legal. What is a typical, what would you say is a typical uh, need or the the requirements for like a motorcycle to go like 45 like just we're just talking like something that might not go on this on the freeway you're just going to cruise it around the city and you do need to be able to get up to like 45 or 50 on some of the big boulevards like what is what was a typical requirement um in kilowatt 
I guess power plus the like the motors. What what is that? What are we looking at there? Forty five uh, kilowatts. Forty five. Yeah, quick uh, a quick conversion is uh, a horsepower is three quarters of a kilowatt. Um, okay. So there is a, a direct conversion there, but uh, for example, my the Seritania uses uh, about six to seven kilowatts to go like. 60, 70 miles an hour. Oh, so wow. that's about 10, 10 horsepower. It's not the most aerodynamically efficient, as you can see. No, but but a lot of that power is also getting converted into heat because I don't think my hub motor is the most efficient for this application right now. Gotcha. But that's a story for a different time. But it still doesn't but sound like a huge amount of power. You know what I'm saying? Like I thought you were going to say a lot more than that. So what he didn't mention is, remember, because I know you ride gas motorcycles, you've got 40 percent on average heat efficiency on a gas motor it takes about twice as much horsepower as it does on electric because electric's typically 80 to 90 percent heat efficiency right okay okay so yeah you're, you're making a lot of heat and motion to get not as not quite as much horsepower and i know uh that is a huge factor uh, also for for electric vehicles um period right uh what is the so let's say Let's say John Q. Smith is listening to this or Jane Q. Uh, I don't know. Let's make up a different last name. Jane Q. Jones <laughs> is listening to this and they want to go out and build like a sweet little electric scooter. Um, can you do it with just like a, can you just go grab like a bunch of to your local, you know, dump and grab a bunch of Makita drill batteries and kind of wire them together and get enough power out of that to drive a, a little scooter around the city? Yeah, the way that you described this, that situation, yeah, you could. Huh. Um, there, so it's not. Unfortunately, electric vehicles aren't just like slap a battery and a motor together and boom, right. it works. It's it's unfor- It's not just two plus two equals four. There's there's a big equation with. Well, not it's not actual math, but you have to do an equation in your head of how much power do I need, how much power do I want, and how long do I need that power for, and how efficient is my motor, right. how fast do I want to go, how how much power does it take to go a certain speed uh, up and down hills? How far do I want it to go? And all these factors play like, you know, change your setup in different ways. And it's really, it, it can be really daunting right in the beginning to not know anything and look at a drill battery and think like, Oh, why can't I run an electric car off of one of these? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And I, a, an important one, um, especially when I first got into it is, Remember to always look into, it's a KV rating on a motor. It's how much RPM per voltage you get, because you can get a five kilowatt motor that'll only spin to 25 miles an hour. Be very careful with that because there's a balance between torque and RPM that you have to look at in the motor too. Right. And that's one of the things, I have this old book, I think it's from 2009 even, uh, and it was uh, how to build an electric motorcycle. um, And even back then, I mean, things have changed so much. It's, it's almost like, you know, writing something for an, an, a computer manual from 1980 versus 2020, right? It's just, it was, things have changed quite a bit, but the principles behind it were the same. And once I started reading that, uh, and, and then after talking to both of you, uh, last year, I, I exactly, uh, this new book by Micah Toll, um, goes into it as well where, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of factors and, and one of the biggest factors that people don't pay attention 
attention to, I guess, uh, even some of the people I've seen on YouTube doing builds is, yeah, their hardware doesn't exactly match up with what they were going for. And it's kind of hard to tell looking at the specs. They even have to buy, you know, look at the specs of the piece of equipment they're going to buy, whether it's a, a motor or some sort of regulator or management system and see what it's rated for. And then kind of do some math on that because what they tell you exactly, just like you mentioned, Trent, isn't, isn't what you're going to get out of it. And, and it looks good on paper or the specs look good, but then once they do the math and they convert it and they go, Oh, wait a sec. No, 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 no. This is going to be not enough or like have some weird resistance. There's, there's a whole bunch of factors that go into it. And, yeah, it's it's super interesting to me. I, that's what I loved about motors. That's what I loved about um, internal combustion engines. Uh, you know, growing up, and is that there's so much weird uh, stuff that people don't think about. And internal combustion is still cool. You know, anything that anything that does something else, you know, is awesome. So when I'm getting into electricity now, though, that was always my weakness. And seeing all of these. Uh, people talk about building motors and, and, uh, ratings and this and that. Yeah. It's like a whole new world's opening up, right? How hard, uh, would both of you say that getting into, uh, electric is, and I know that both of you had to start somewhere. So how hard was it to get into it and how hard, what would you say the first step, uh, for somebody that's wanting to get into it? You know, even, even if it's, Hey, get with somebody that knows what they're doing, that could be, <laughs> that could be it. But how hard is it to get into it? Uh, Especially if you're a young person, you know, if you're younger, like say middle school and you're trying to get into it uh, right now, um, what would be like both of your suggestions on, on getting started with, with the EVs? Uh, your very first step I'd recommend is uh, simply using the internet uh, and the wealth of knowledge there is online to your benefit. Um, now, I didn't build an electric motorcycle out of nowhere and I didn't do it like without any prior knowledge whatsoever. It was a slow buildup of previous projects and failures. And I, I wouldn't say that my bike is perfect either. I, there, I have made many more mistakes that I've learned from since then. And I would say starting small and using the, using the wealth of information on the internet to your advantage, uh, start small, fail small. And then as you work your way up in terms of like size and power, uh, that's how you, work your way up to like more complex electric vehicles. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend jumping straight into like a, an electric conversion on your vintage car right away. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, because that you might, and something might go terribly wrong and you might make a fatal flaw and, you know, hook up your motor controller backwards or fry your batteries. You could start a fire. Uh, you could fry hundreds or thousands of dollars worth of equipment or electronics or so like I would, I, I would start small and, so your mistakes are small, right? And That's, work up from there, right? And maybe even for kids like RC cars or something that uh, is small and tested, and you know, no works um, already. Oh, yeah, you just got to do it the right way. What about you, Trent? Um, I know that you also uh, pretty much started on yours DIY. But what would you say? Where did where would you say you got your start, and what would be your advice? Uh, the easiest start is usually the little hub motor kit on a bicycle. Um, I would say to complete newbies, even if you've built gas motorbikes before, but you never dealt with electric, do not build your own battery until <laughs> right. you've done a, a lot of work. Uh, yeah, no, the, the lithium ion batteries are probably very dangerous. If you're building it yourself, don't do it. And also make sure you find a very reputable dealer for them because there's a lot of Chinese batteries that are awful yeah. and will probably end up with problems. 
there's, a, um, there's a cell out there that's marketed as like over like 3000 milliamp hours per cell. You <laughs> can find these on like eBay and like Alibaba. Like those are fake. They're yeah. not real. You buy, <laughs> if, gotcha. if, you're, if you're really, if you really mean it, buy your cells from like a reputable brands like Sony or Mala cell example, for example. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, and even like the the pack manufacturers, I feel like that, that's another reason I wanted to make my own company to build batteries is pretty much the grand majority of them are Chinese. There's one good Chinese one that's EM3 EV, and they only deal with, I think, up to like 52 volt. They're good, but they're still Chinese. Keep that in mind. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the battery is probably one of the trickiest things. And I do kind of recommend for an e-bike, you could try to search for a lithium iron oxide battery because then there's no way an explosion will happen. But I had one as my first battery and they used pouch cells and a bolt punctured it because it's not steel. It's a pouch cell and they won't explode. But if you're internally shorting it, it'll create enough heat to cause a fire. And that's exactly what it did. (laughs) Holy crap. Yeah. So again, yeah, you got to really read the specs and know they're not always what they seem to be on paper. Right. So (laughs) crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That is, that is, uh, I mean, and batteries, even on, even just storing batteries, you know, for your car. I mean, there's, there's so much, uh, that it's just really one of the things that when there's elect, when there's invisible, uh, powers happening, uh, it's, it's hard to trust. Like you can't see what's going on. You just gotta, you gotta know, because then, yeah, there's a fire and oops, I know how that started or, or what's going on. Um, and what is your thoughts, both of you on the, you know, like mentioning the Chinese batteries, because I, I think Mike Atoll in his book also said that he'll only scavenge a certain amount of, um, certain brands of batteries since the most of them, uh, the majority are Chinese. There's, there's a couple brands that he trusts as well. Uh, what do you think about like the potential of all these, uh, I don't know if they're all these. I say all these, but it's because I've seen a, a bit about a, you know at least a hundred videos on on Reddit of scooters in China specifically or someplace in Asia blowing up or catching fire in a garage. Um, and some people have them like in their living room charging and they'll blow up. What is the um, what is the possibility of that? I mean, is, is that what's the how common do you think that could be? Uh, depending on the manufacturer or do you think that that's is there something that's that's happening that people need to be worried about um with with evs if you're whether or not you're going to build one if you're going to buy one is there is there something that you should look at right away when you first get into it that uh could help save possibly your life or even just catching catching your house on fire uh it's it's all comes down to safe work practices and understanding the the dangers Mm -hmm. um like you can't turn a battery off right um and that is absolutely terrifying sometimes. When, you, when you're assembling batteries, uh, for example, my, the Steratina uses 130 volts worth of batteries. And when you're connecting all those connectors together, there's voltage there. You can't turn that off. Um, there, there will be a point where you have to like, get very close to high voltage that either could cause like a, a arc flash or burn you or the cells could... Uh, basically it's all about like understanding the dangers. If you know what you're, you understand what's at stake or what you're supposed to do, that immediately brings down the risk a lot. Right. Um, I wouldn't use the, all those examples of like scooters blowing up and stuff as like the norm. I, I, 
it's almost a little anti-survivorship bias where electric <laughs> right. vehicles are inherently like really safe. Uh, but you know, if you only see the videos of them blowing up in people's houses, you're going to think that every battery could blow up. Right. Um, it's all about doing it correctly. I wouldn't cut corners. Um, I would watch someone who knows what they're doing on YouTube or uh, find some good guides online and do exactly what they're doing. Um, I wouldn't reinvent the wheel in that case because, or cut corners because that's where errors can happen. That's where a short can happen or a degraded or old cell can be used or worked past its like what it's meant to do and right. that can cause issues. Right. Right. Trent, same, same on that. You think, uh, I mean, obviously we know, or I don't know if you guys know, but Jay Leno just burnt his face on gasoline. So, I mean, nothing's, nothing's really, uh, inherently safe or, or safer, but same, same oh, sort yeah, of gas thing. cars, gas cars catch on fire all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all the time. <laughs> but we only ever hear about the electric vehicle fires. Yeah, I know. I, it's one of my issues right now also with, and it's not just that Tesla is a auto as a EV, even if they weren't an EV, but their autopilot system, I have a huge beef right now with the AMA over, the reporting of things, you know, like just, you know, autopilot killing people. Well, Hey, there's like, uh, 38,000 deaths every year and, and only two of them were autopilot related. Let's look at the other, you know, <laughs> massive, massive pile of deaths that weren't autopilot related and quit blaming certain things. So I totally get it. You know, it doesn't mean that cause it's electric, it's going to catch fire like that scooter did, you know, on, on YouTube that you're watching or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Trent. Same. Would you say the same? Uh, just just be careful and, and cautious, and don't worry too much about uh, shocking yourself. Yeah, like like I said before, if uh, you haven't had years of experience with electric stuff, never build your own batteries. Um, there was this one guy. It was actually long story of how my first motorcycle got stolen. I won't go into all of it, but I ended up recovering <laughs> it from somebody who bought the stolen bike, and that dude was like obsessed with everything to do with it. He was kept telling me about how he wanted to build his own batteries out of lithium. Uh, I think it was lipo pouch cells. And I said, God, no, do, do not do that. Because first of all, pouch cells can get punctured easily. Second off, he didn't have enough experience for that type of thing. Yeah. Like some of these people jump into it way too fast and they do not care about the dangers. And those are the ones you're going to see exploding. Right. And I, like I said, don't build it yourself, but also, you need to like double check who you're buying it from because just because somebody has built a lot of packs does not mean they build them very well. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things that I'm seeing also, uh, on YouTube is that there's a vast wealth of people out there willing to share with you and they will tell you pretty much the same thing that both of you have said first learn this or learn this or learn this and then learn these skills uh you know there's a whole bunch of people out there that are excited about this potential and people learning and i actually trent after after we talked i got on discord and got on a on a few uh ev or well specifically electric motorcycle um discord channels and yeah, the, the information there, somebody will go off on like one small tiny topic. And the next thing you know, you're three hours into this rabbit hole of one minor, minor aspect of electricity, how it works on, on this specific battery or this specific piece of equipment. And yeah, you've, you've covered like 18 theories, you know, of, uh, and some scientific, you know, you've learned some new scientific, uh, 
you know, principle, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's insane how much people are willing to share. So for sure, I, I agree with both of you that, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff to be researched before you just jump into it. Even though I'm the type of guy to jump into stuff without thinking, I've I've even stepped back and, and bought a lot of uh, literature recently because I'm really excited. To, you know, you you both have got me pretty pretty pumped on on uh, trying something different and and making my own um, bicycle probably first and then hub motor style stuff before I even jumped into what both of you are achieving. Um. So, hey, guys, we, we blabbed for about a little over an hour. Is there anything that we forgot or anything that you uh, either you wanted to touch on uh, as far as what's happening or what you think is coming down the line or what you're, what you're going to be up to with your, with your bikes? Um, I would say there's not too much for me for a while because I just moved up here, so I only have an apartment for now. Uh, I've literally like today I finally installed a kickstand on this motorcycle. I got a dirt bike one <laughs> nice. and I was grind, grinding steel in my living room. I'm like, my <laughs> neighbors are going to hate me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't have too much more to touch on. I would say like, if there's any advice I have right now, um, there's going to be probably a very large market for electric mopeds mm-hmm. for the next five years or so. But I think they're, is going to be one for electric motorcycles in the coming year. The the hardest thing on motorcycles is road trips are not going to happen for a while. You can get like a hundred mile range on an, like financially making sense. But if you're trying to do like a cross country thing on an Energica, then you're ending up spending like 25,000 on a motorcycle. It's not going to happen for a while. Right. Right. And Hunter, same uh, same with you. You got anything uh, big in the works as far as career, motorcycle, anything like that? Uh, right now, I'm a little on a. I know, like when we spoke about a year ago, uh, I was pretty focused on like starting my own business with this idea and getting this off the ground. And I I still am. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but now that uh, I'm working a full time job that I truly enjoy, uh, I'm kind of taking all the information I can from them and seeing what beta does and what their experts do. And I'm going to twist and use some of that information and put that towards my own bike. And over the next couple months, I see myself redesigning the bike from the ground up, fixing all the mistakes I did make and hopefully avoiding future ones. And like, I want to continue development at a slightly slower pace than I was before because I got a lot of other projects to work on too and not a whole lot of money. Uh, but I'm going to keep bringing the, the current prototype, the Steratania around to different motorcycle events and stuff. And instead of saying I'm fully self-funded and just working on this with my own money, I think I'm going to start looking to see if I can find uh, some angel investors who are willing to, to help me buy some better tools, afford a nicer workspace, um, and just help me accelerate the development of this bike because I'm only one guy uh, with only two hands, right? And Large, not a lot of money, right? Uh, yeah, you know that's how that's how it all starts, right? <laughs> so, oh yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and and I wish both of you, uh, I, I I hope that you both um, continue on this path. And yeah, all I can say is for both of you, actually, the, the, you have the, uh, I'm like over a hundred years old. You both have the benefit of youth on your side and, and the people that I've seen in, in any industry that have made it the furthest and been able to 
kind of turn their dreams into reality are the ones that have been able to learn from, like, like you mentioned, learn from a job that you love and be able to, um, kind of turn that, um, investment into, you know, eventually down the road, just, just keep, keep absorbing it as much as you can. And eventually you'll be able to turn that around to your benefit and be able to leverage yourself somehow, you know, into, uh, into a part of the industry that, that, that you love. So yeah, both of you, I, I wish, uh, the very best. Thanks for checking in and let's do this in like another year. I'm excited because, because we joked around when, when I interviewed Trent, he's like, I don't have my, my license yet. Even he, he was, and he was in the desert and he's riding in Malibu. And I always used to wonder how he got, you know, how do how are you doing that? Right. So, uh, I said, it'd be so cool if you built a motorcycle and then, got your license on it. Well, you've, you've got your license, but you didn't do it on your motorcycle, but still that's, that's cool enough for me. You know, I thought thought that you could have, you know? Um, and yeah, you guys are both doing such, uh, such cool stuff that, uh, yeah, I hope that both of you continue and, uh, keep, keep, uh, keep at it. Um, Trent, if people want to find you on Instagram, what's your uh, handle? It'd just be Trinovix. Nice. And Hunter, are you still, uh, trust me, I'm an engineer on there? I am, but I don't really use Instagram a whole lot more. That's my personal Instagram too. Oh, gotcha. Um, Never mind. I'll edit that uh, out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's uh, best. If you if you want to keep up with uh, the work I've been doing and stuff, I guess it's best to check out my website, uh, leonardmotorworks.com. Gotcha. Perfect. And uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much for hanging out. Um, and, and Hunter, you were on here a lot longer. Try, try, I, I, in full honesty, I got to say, I said, oh yeah, you know, one o'clock our time, three o'clock his time. That's a three hour time difference. And then when he's like, hey, I've been on here for a while. I was like, one, three, oh, that's, that's a two hour difference. I'm such an idiot. So my apologies that this <laughs> got off to a rocky start to begin with, but yeah, I've had a blast talking to both of you and yeah, let's, let's do it again in a little bit and we'll check up and see how things are going. I'm just, I'm so stoked, especially with what's on the horizon. I'm, I'm really excited about what potentially, you know, both of you could be up to in, in another six months or a year. So we'll have to check back. Uh, with that said, it is winter here in the United States, and both of you are in very cold climes and uh, a little bit further away from your fams. You guys have any holiday? This is going to go out uh, probably today, so so Christmas is coming out uh, coming up next weekend. You guys have any any big holiday plans, or is there anything on your holiday wish list, uh, electric related, that you're hoping to get? If anybody's listening, <laughs> uh, nothing I need. Um... I'm just going down to Phoenix to visit family and I, it has like almost never gone above 40 Fahrenheit here. So I'm going to be going to like 70 days. So right, right. I'm just going to be chilling there for, uh, <laughs> you know, a few days. It's been a long time since I saw warmth. So that's yeah. all I got to say about holidays. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. And Hunter, you got anything happening? Uh, I need some more insulated pants. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. We're both freezing up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I can't. I barely. I've ridden in like twenty degree weather, uh, like twice. And uh, the first time I was like, never again. The second time I, I didn't know it was going to drop so so low. And never, you know, I I don't know how you both are doing. It. I don't even know how you're surviving after coming from the desert of all places. You know, you know what's the hardest thing right now is I can actually use the batteries down to negative 10 Celsius, which I don't know, Fahrenheit, like 16 or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I cannot charge them unless it is above freezing. So when I park at work, I can't charge my motorcycle until it's the afternoon on my break. 
It's that is hilarious. Super weird. Yeah. Eventually, I can put in a uh, little. 12 volt battery warmers on the inside, but I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then, and that's probably why Hunter, you don't even see your bike. You know, like you said, you come out and it's under a tarp because who's going to be riding around, uh, around Vermont in uh, you know, the middle of winter. So man, uh, I mean, I, I actually, I did make a big lifestyle upgrade. Um, I live in an 85 year old car dealership now. Oh. <laughs> um, and there's, so there's a little apartment in the attic. And so I've got a whole shop big enough to finally hold all my bikes and projects under one roof so there's no more tarps anymore thankfully good upgrade Uh, but it is cold yeah Uh, this place is about as uh let's say it's about as insulated as a screen door and uh my my furnace burns through a shit ton of oil so it costs a lot of money to keep this place warm yep so they didn't didn't have a heater air conditioning 85 years ago people just uh, froze (laughs) all the time so you gotta get it what we gotta do is we gotta get you a bare skin uh like jacket or something and send it up your way so that'll that'll be that's what the insulated pants are for so i could uh (laughs) working in the garage nice well hey guys it's been a blast talk with you uh i'm gonna sign off for now and uh check them out check out their work and uh, yeah, if you're interested in anything electric, uh, yeah, I would. Their their advice was spot on. Buy some books. Go to YouTube. You know, where, where, what can't you learn on YouTube these days? And for sure, check out check them out on Instagram and uh, check them out on the web at uh, Leonard Motorworks. And uh, thank you so much, both of you, for hanging out and wasting a perfectly good Sunday and hour of your life talking to a, a jerk like me. So. Uh, I can't. I can't apologize enough for for being late, Hunter. And thanks for checking in, Trent. <laughs> no problem. Sweet. Nice talking to you guys. Yeah. Bye. All right, take care. All right. All right. Sweet. Oh no, did Trent really hang up? Oh yeah, he really hung up. <laughs> I know. Okay. I know. That's fine. All right, everybody. Well, that was a little behind the scenes. Whenever you say bye, you don't. We don't really go. We we sit around and chat for a little bit. Uh, anyways, have a great. Uh, holiday season no matter what you celebrate this year thank you so much for hanging out with creative writing and i think i'm going to try to get one more show out this year please visit our sponsors visit clobman pickle factory if you get the chance please drink some of the pickle teen that they're going to come out with this holiday season visit our friends at rp enterprises and most importantly check out mimi and moto.com for all your motorcycle monkey needs And just in case we sign off until next year, have a safe and happy one, you sweet, ridiculous motherfuckers. I love each and every one of you. Thank you so much to our patrons, and thank you so much for your support. Peace out from Junkie and my idiotic robot, Tovor.